The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Bud Elliott. Danny Cannell joining in a little bit. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook network. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like. And yes, come and join us in the chat. Uh, lots to get to today. Of course, we are going to be previewing Wednesday's National Signing Day, the conclusion of the 2023 recruiting cycle. Taking a look at Alabama's class, how it compares to Georgia, where we think Dion is going to land here, where we think maybe Jaden Rashada is going to sign, if he is going to sign here on National Signing Day, some of the top names that are uncommitted, uh, and so much more. But gentlemen, uh, we begin with uh, one of my favorite off-season rituals, which is um, here is one guy saying what somebody else said at a coaching clinic because as these coaches are doing all their tours you know they'll give some insight and when some of that insight leaks out to the media then we get an opportunity to see maybe either what a head coach is saying or or what a head coach would like to have be the narrative around his program uh, out on the recruiting trail nick saban hey bud you're back so according to a coach who heard nick saban speak I'm going to say that one more time. According to a coach who heard Nick Saban speak, that coach said that Nick Saban said, someone with one of the best corners in the nation came to me and asked if we'd pay $800,000 for the player to sign here. I told him he can find another place to play. I'm not paying a kid a bunch of NIL money before he earns it. Okay. So, 
we also had a situation, according to from a coach who said he was at the clinic, who heard Nick Saban say, "A guy who heard from a 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 guy that there was a player who wanted quote wanted five hundred thousand dollars and." for the coaching staff to get his girlfriend into law school and pay for that law school to which Nick Saban said, according to the guy who was there, according to the guy, hit the streets. Now, we've had a lot of players who've left Alabama in this offseason and entered the transfer portal and found homes elsewhere. We can speculate recklessly as to who this might be who might have a girlfriend who's trying to get it paid for wants $500,000. But... I think there's a there's a couple different things here from the Alabama side, from the Nick Saban side, um, in terms of the way that top programs are approaching NIL. But first, I mean, we we do at least get to roll our eyes a little bit at this, right? Like we get like big back of your skull kind of eye rolls at the idea that uh, this is that that they are somehow above uh, all of the NIL game. What would your lawyer girlfriend say about you telling him that? <laughs> like is there anything that you should be worried about kind of going to somebody and making those kind of demands i don't know i haven't got, my boyfriend didn't send me to law school i don't know <laughs> i mean there he is what what did i walk into <laughs> what just happened we're talking about the player who apparent according to a guy according to a guy according to a guy that nick saban said a player wanted five hundred thousand, and for of course. Uh, you yeah. know the girlfriend to get into yeah. law school and yeah. they were going to pay for it the whole way um like, and nick saban is principled and he has would never encourage anything like that of course he's going to take a stand is he so why is he playing holier than thou? Like, why is why is he going so hard in the paint on this side of um, we don't play that at Alabama? I think it's because they signed the number one class the year after he came out and, and said that a and bought their whole class. So I think he's playing like pre-defense. Do so. we believe that it's like just good old-fashioned relationships? No, that's right. Exactly. Come on. <laughs> but it's never been old fashioned relationships. That's the, but I, I don't know this. Like the, I, maybe I would, would you be shocked? Honest to God, like of everything you've, but you, you, you're very close to recruiting. Would you be shocked if there was a kid anywhere that said that? No. Does it no. mean it happened? No. <laughs> did, did, did he say it was an offensive lineman? He didn't say it was an offensive lineman for the law school thing. He said that the one of the best corners in the nation from the high school uh, wanted $800,000 to sign, and he said no. All right. Well, the corner that Bama was in on was very late and didn't get it was Cormani McLean, who right. is, is verbally committed to Colorado. The only starter that they lost off their roster, if you want to do like a little bit like less reckless type speculation, if we assume that this actually happened, which – Again, there's a lot of assumptions you got to make here. We assume the high school coach is, is relaying correctly what we assume Nick Saban actually said, and we assume that Nick Saban is telling the truth if he said this and if it's being uh, correctly relayed via this game of telephone. Isn't the only actual starter they lost, Javion Cohen, the the guard who went to Miami? And so you would say that might that could potentially be, be like if I had to bet my house on it. That's that I, I would take him over the field because I, I don't think anybody else that they lost could could even plausibly demand that kind of cash. Like Damian George, who went to Florida, wasn't a good player for them. Jojo Earl. Earl didn't start. Yeah. Like, not like that level. I mean, How Christian was Larry's, Miami's law school? Um, it is really good. Good. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. All the pieces fit. <laughs> okay, All so the pieces fit. This is one side that I do think is 
I, it reinforced something. If it's true, then Bud, thank you for laying out all those levels of if this is true. But I do think that Alabama gets to play a position where, especially for the kids coming out of high school, it's like, no, absolutely not. The way that we are going to pay is we are going to pay for the players who are proven. Now, will Alabama you know, pay to keep a player from transferring who they find very valuable? I, absolutely. I think that they've got the resources in Tuscaloosa to be able to do that. And I think that it's a poor investment to blow a bunch of money on some of these kids coming out of high school. I think that the the programs that are throwing around huge money trying to make a splash probably are outbidding your Alabamas and your Georgias for some of the high school kids because Alabama and Georgia is selling, come to Alabama, come to Georgia, go to the NFL. Like it's a very, it's a, it's a path where I think that they are weeding out players that they think would end up transferring out anyway. And then B, they get to lean on all the success that they've had in terms of taking guys to the pros as an advantage in not having to overspend for kids out of high school. It's a discount. Like, like just like people want to play with LeBron, right? But mm-hmm. it's not a five finger discount. Like you, you, I think you're crazy to think that, that none of the guys in Bama's high school class are, are getting anything. That's, that's kind of crazy. Now, maybe they are a little apprehensive if you ask them in a certain way for things. Like mm-hmm. certain kids want to get paid more up front as opposed to some schools do it where it's like, hey, when you get on campus, here's what this guy makes, here's what this guy makes, here's what this guy makes, right? We kind of value you in that same range. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think you sign the number one class without some serious NIL benefits. So they're, they're, they're clean. They're all, they're all good. Right, of course. I mean, but it well, is like one of those things. It's a little bit clean. like you're setting yourself up for failure. Like when Jimbo and him went back and forth, and they're both emphatically claiming how clean they are. At some point, somebody's going to reveal what really went on, and you're going to get the truth, and then it makes you look like a liar. Like whereas I don't think people care if you're just honest about it, right? Like, like at this point, I don't think anybody cares if you're buying players. But why are they so emphatic about? Oh, I don't, I don't want to be that. That's not us. We're above that. You know, that's still that's not legal. Got to keep the cost down too. Yeah, and it, it's still not li- like there's a, an inducement level to it, right? Like you're not spo- you're not supposed to. Of course, I mean, pay for play and blah yeah. blah blah. Yeah, but here's here's a question though, kind of spinning this forward because like Chip, you mentioned, you know, maybe Alabama's philosophy is well, no, we're not, we're going to pay the proven guys, the guys that have been doing stuff here. We're not going to give the high school. Do you guys think that they're what the what do you guys think the balance is going to be going forward in NIL compared? Is it going to be like a pro salary structure in which the incoming high schoolers are getting a decent amount, but the quote unquote veteran guys who could hit free agency are getting much more with their markets worth? Or do you think we're going to see, you know, high school kids getting the majority of the money or do you think it's just going to be a case by case basis? I think, I think that, it, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Chip. I think it's small. I'm, 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 unfortunately, I'm saying what I think that across 131 or, you know, however many FBS teams, it's going to be a little bit of everything. But if I was running a successful program, I'd be spending more on the proven players. I'd be spending more to keep consistency to if, if I've identified somebody, even if it's a, an eval where we know that this guy is about to pop, like we, he's been waiting in the wings, especially on the offensive line, defensive line, one of those really like high value positions rotation player and we just need to keep them i'd spend more there as opposed to um newcomer from the transfer portal or newcomer from recruiting i'd be spending more to keep a roster the core of a roster intact 
if I was if I had my say. But I think it's going to be all over the board in terms of approach. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I think that the transfer portal is about to become more expensive, both in terms of getting guys out of the portal and keeping guys from your own roster out of the portal. Because I, if you are running a collective, I think it is easier to hit up your boosters who are going to have to fund the collective uh, and ask them to donate to keep proven players. It is a little harder to, to have them donate for guys who are more speculative. Although I would argue like there's proven production and there's proven skill. If I got a guy that runs, you know, four four one on the laser, that's a proven skill. He owns that speed, and that's something that you probably can't get out of the portal on a regular basis. So I, I don't think it's going to completely go to where high school kids don't get paid. Uh, I think that there are certain guys that definitely should continue to get paid, and that I would pay for if I was running a program at the high school level. But I think if you are donating to these collectives, you probably are likely to, to be repeat donors if you are donating, you know, donating for guys who are proven at the college level. I think it'll be case-by-case basis because I also think once the guys that have kind of used their free transfer, you know, once that's kind of used up, then you won't ha- they won't have as much ability to move around. So I think there'll right. be less inventory. I, don't, I just think it'll kind of be case-by-case. Case. That's where I think it'll eventually evolve to. There's so much about? differences here. I mean, there's so many just different situations. Like, yeah, a four- or five-star quarterback coming out who's – yeah, but I'll, I'll say that I mean, Jaden Rashada was a guy who was not the number one big name guy, and we kind of saw what happened with him. It's, maybe some of it's buzz buzziness, you know. Like if you're just a hot commodity, like anything, I mean, there's the supply and demand. If everybody, if multiple teams want you, you can drive up the price, you know. I would hold out, by the way, not like wait until. It, first of all, I probably would not sign a letter of intent if I was a top recruit because, like, you just give away your leverage unnecessarily and. It doesn't actually bind the school to you. They can always find a reason not to admit you if they really don't want to. But it does bind you to the school unless you get the school to release you, which is not automatic. Like Sometimes they'll just do it to avoid the PR nightmare, but sometimes they won't. They'll actually fight it. So I probably wouldn't sign. But I definitely, unless I'm an early enrollee, like if I was a summer enrollee, I would not sign in December because all these kind of coaching changes happen after that. But also, like you create market scarcity. Look at our show rundown that we're about to jump into here in a couple of minutes previewing signing day. There are very few kids in the top 100 who are unsigned. If you're that last kid out there who's unsigned and you got a bunch of these schools that are maybe a little disappointed how they finish down the stretch, guess what? You may get a really big payday and one that you probably don't get when, when you're in the pool with everybody else in December. Speaking of coaching changes, ooh, we had one on Friday. Josh Gaddis out. Simple, maybe a 12, 14 words, not even a quote from Mario Cristobal. No wish him well on his future endeavors. No thanks for all that he did. The official release from, release from Miami says that Josh Gaddis has been relieved of his duties as offensive coordinator. Now, multiple reports, uh, including, I believe, a 24-7 sports report that from a, a recruit said, here we go with he said, he said, he said, a recruit says that he was informed that the OC hire is going to be made pretty quickly um, and Miami would be smart to get out there and fill that as soon as possible as like Bowling Green started spring practice today. Spring practice is going to be coming up pretty soon. Why aren't we previewing that? So uh, <clears throat> Bowling Green did average about as many points per game as Miami and True. Ball State. Just really iconic offenses there in 2022. The offenses weren't great. 
under Josh Gaddis. They were not. The offense never got into sync. Um, and now the Hurricanes are going to be looking elsewhere. Where does Miami go to fill its vacant offensive coordinator position? Brian so- Ferentz. <laughs> that would be That's amazing. A good one. No, the, um, good, the amazing one would be Mario Cristobal says, I'm going to do it. That would be wild. I know they, they, Jason Candle was in consideration last time. He just signed an extension uh, with Toledo. So I don't think they'll be able to pull him uh, from the you know, head coach Mac ranks to be a coordinator. I, I, I do think that Miami will eventually get their offense right. I also think it's somewhat fair to say, like, how much does Mario meddle in the offense? You know, like, did, Joe Moorhead and those guys like working for him. Did they use Justin Herbert to his fullest extent? I, I think those are fair questions as well. But given the amount of talent they're signing, I think they will get it right. I do think the idea they're going to hire Cliff Kingsbury, like I've seen a lot on Instagram, is nuts. I don't think he would want to work for Mario. Joe Brady, I don't think recruits like somebody that Mario wants to hire. Like Mario's obsessed with recruiting, right? Like that's what he does. Um, maybe Marcus Arroyo comes back. UNLV went, mm-hmm. went in a different direction. I think the uh, the big booster didn't really like him, so maybe he comes back. Maybe James Coley, who was on his FIU staff, I I, I could see. Uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know if they can get somebody who's like a proven big time OC there. So that that's the thing for me. It's like I don't know how many guys really want to go call offense for Mario. Because you've seen how many he's churned through in the last few years. I don't think that's a coincidence. And, Bud, you mentioned it. Like, the Oregon offense with Justin Herbert was good. But we were actively, like, Chip, you and I were actively fading Arroyo when he left because of that offense. Because we saw Justin Herbert go to the NFL and look incredible. Whereas in college, it's like, oh, I get it. But I don't know why they're so conservative if he's that good. And then he was incredible in the NFL. So, It's weird because I don't know how attractive that job is, even though you're going to get paid very well. It's Miami. You've got plenty of talent to work with. I think you've got a couple of quarterbacks who could be, you know, NFL type guys. But I just it it feels like it's a short term thing. Like if I'm taking that job, I'm not planning to be there for long. And I'm also I would kind of kind of like what we talked about with A&M with Jimbo. I would want certain assurances. Mm. I would want to know that I actually get to call the offense and I get to do what I want to do because like going back to Josh Gaddis here, Gaddis at Michigan and now Gaddis at Miami. I don't know that I know what Josh Gaddis's offense is yet because I feel like he kind of got neutered at Michigan and I feel like he got neutered at Miami by the head coach. I don't know what he does quite yet. So I don't know. It's just, it is not the most attractive job in the country to me right now. I'm looking, if I'm an offensive coordinator and I'm looking at the Miami gig and working for Mario, just based on history, I don't know that I want that job. Well, do you remember the conversation when they were doing the coordinator search the first time around, just not that long ago? Remember there was a big discrepancy of what number, like Josh Gaddis was the number one guy they were targeting and they were really trying to sell that. I'm not so sure that was the case. And I think it speaks to the lack of people just jumping at the chance to go work with Mario and be an offensive coordinator specifically because of exactly what we're talking about. Um, Bud, you mentioned uh, James Coley, who I, you know, I, I just vividly remember I was calling a baseball series down in Coral Gables and I went for a run and I ran by Coley on the street when he was there on the staff at Miami. To me, he seems like he might be somebody who would be a good fit for all of what we're talking about. Like he's been at AM, he's been in a position, he's been in positions before where he's kind of had 
a part in the offense, but maybe not the only part where he would be comfortable going and saying, all right, I'll work with you. Let me go. I want my offensive coordinator title back. And to Bud's point as well, like if eventually you're going to have more talent than the teams you're facing in the ACC yeah. where it sh- you should be able to get a run game going. You should be able to win some matchups on the outside. So I think it'll work out. Uh, it's definitely going to be a little bit of a bumpy ride. Then I have a question for you. Like we mentioned, uh, who was it? Joe Brady said doesn't like to recruit or what you know is not too good, the best recruiter. At what point do you just rely on the collective and the the power of John Ruiz or wherever and just say, that's my recruiter and we'll get our, we'll buy our guys and we'll let you just be the, is that attractive to somebody that may be like that? So, I mean, it's not like Bill O'Brien was the best recruiter for Alabama, right? So I guess you could do that, um, but Mario is not doing that. Like, I will tell you that Miami's recruiting success is a combination of really hard work by their coaching staff. Like, I think Mario makes those guys work harder than any other coaching staff in the ACC as far as recruiting. Like, he grinds those dudes. They work their butts off at recruiting, period. They also have the NIL backing. It's the combination. Like, that's how you sign a top five class like that. See, I think that's a, that's a, that's a blind spot, I think, in Mario's approach. I, if I'm a head coach, my coordinators, their jobs are coordinating. My position coaches, yeah. My position coaches, I want them all to be outstanding quarter, like recruiters, but especially like my OC, I would rather, like, sure, when I'm bringing in quarterbacks, I definitely want him to be a part of that process and part of the recruiting process to build the relationship. But the guy who's running my offense and designing my offense, I want that to be their responsibility. I don't want them having to travel every round to high schools all the time trying to find players. I want them worrying about that. But that's how I would approach it. Coley, also, you just are furthering the we are putting our flag down in this area. Yeah. We we want to dominate South Florida, and Coley would be a piece of that. I think that Coley would be motivated because Bobby Petrino just came in, which means that you got demoted in the pecking order in the Texas A&M meeting room, and this would be an opportunity to be able to do that. James Coley, who pr- helps produce a 21-touchdown, seven-interception season for Stephen Morris. So we reach into the way back Miami quarterback machine, the Stephen right. Moyers, who, who preceded was, Brad Kaya. Did you guys have you guys seen the commercial with Ja'Cory Harris? No way. He was what? before Stephen Morris. Yeah, Jaco- commercial with Ja'Cory Harris. I can't remember what it was for. Ja'Cory Harris. I saw it this weekend. Ja'Cory Harris is in a commercial for some company. I can't remember what he's doing now, but he was like, you know, he's like, I'm a former, you know, college football player, blah, blah, blah. I was like, is that Ja'Cory Harris? And then he starts, then they put his name up there. I'm like, that is Ja'Cory. What commercial? If the chat knows, let us know. It was, I was, it was like a, what the hell kind of moment. Quest Nutrition. Yes. There we go. Hmm. <laughs> Shout he, out he, he needed to, to, to put on some weight. So that, that's, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> Ja'Cory, uh, I believe won at least one September Heisman. Yeah. Oh, he had sure. back-to-back September mm-hmm. high school. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I think it was that when they're fourth quarter in, in Tallahassee that put him on the map. Like a late yes, September 2009. Game. Yeah. yeah, so good. Um, that was the game Jer- uh, Jarvon Fortson drops that ball in the end zone. Mm. Um, all right. Speaking of uh, OC, any any further thoughts on where Alabama's going to end up going for its offensive coordinator? Cliff Kingsbury <laughs> makes more sense than Miami. Has Levy come out and said no? I don't think he's turned it down yet. All right. Well, I'm going to stick with that until until he turns until he says no. What about defensive coordinator? That that one is the one that I think might be spicy. How but, how so? 
Open it up. Uh, I'm not really Kirby? sure like who he's going to hire or maybe like who he wants to hire. You know, you just go down guys like Pruitt is uh is currently unemployed, right? Ooh. There is there has been somebody but in my direct does message. Does he have a show cause? Not yet. <laughs> there has been somebody <laughs> in my DMs that was sending me photos of Jeremy Pruitt in Tuscaloosa at a truck dealership. <laughs> and he's just like, it's happening. I'm like, okay, okay sure. <laughs> I think that I would, I think that, I mean, I, obviously they all get a C plus, but I think that hiring Jeremy Pruitt would not be a, like, yikes. I think that would be a pretty encouraging hire for Nick Saban, right? If you're, if you're allowed to hire him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah based I on mean, my, I've, Based on my mentions, and I, I think they'd be fired up to bring Jeremy Pruitt back. I think they'd be real excited about it. What about Jim Leonard? That'd be outstanding. You wonder if Saban Is he on the street will he hire outside his tree? I don't like know. That's the thing. I, defensively, offensively, absolutely. Yeah. Defensively, I don't know. Wasn't Golding technically because Golding was U, U, UTEP or UTSA? I'm trying to remember now. It's been it's been a couple of years. Like, Before I, I he know was he, linebackers. Or was he yeah. linebackers or defensive backs? He was the DC at like at UTEP or UTSA, and and, and Saban liked what what he was calling, and and so I guess he has gone out his, his outside his coaching tree somewhat. The last time, what I don't know is like, did Golding start in a Saban system somewhere and then go get get UTEP or UTSA or wherever he was? Uh, I I don't know. Be the, yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be inter- interesting to to check that out. So let Lebby until he says no. It's the official prediction. Yeah, I'll stick I think that. so. Yeah. Mm. It'd be yeah. a be a good hire. Be a good hire. Do you think Cliff for- wants to go to like like I don't I, I don't think Cliff's is co- Tuscaloosa a fit yeah. with Cliff Kingsbury? No. Well, he was in Lubbock. Let's be real. But, like But he got re-upped by the Cardinals. So I'm guessing their buyout on him was, was pretty damn big. You know, he said he's going to what, Thailand for a year with a one way ticket. I, I believe him when he says that. I don't think Cliff's gonna be coaching anywhere next year. I think Cliff's gonna let some time pass and Somebody, some NFL owner, be like, "Hey, you know who's, you know who's did, did a really good offense? Cliff Kingsbury. I'm going to hire that guy." <laughs> um, yeah, we'll definitely keep your eyes on that again. Miami. I, I thought that the Miami offensive coordinator, somebody you know, to the question of why are you doing this right before National Signing Day, and it's like, well, Alabama's OC job is open. There's about to be another wave of changes after National Signing Day. If you are trying to be in the market and make a good hire, and you don't already have this thing lined up then you need to make that move and let everybody across the industry know that this is an option right here and that you are going to be a player in the game as the coaching carousel starts to spin. So I, if, if you knew you were going to move on from Gaddis, don't wait. Be able to uh, be in the running as these things start to change really quickly over the next 10 days or so. He also, uh, I know David Lake of Inside the U had reported that Gaddis had not been around the program for like three weeks. So Jeez. I think this was Mario trying to let Gaddis find another job before he officially axed him. We'll see. I mean, like Penn State receivers was open. Gaddis had been mm-hmm. there. So I, I I wonder if he maybe thought he was going to get that and didn't. Or I, don't, I have no idea if he interviewed for it. I don't want to you know, say and, that he did. And that but. job was filled by Virginia's receivers coach, Marcus Hagens. Yes. Um, <clears throat> all right. One more uh, thing before. Oh, uh I thought that we were done with Jim Harbaugh. Like, and I guess we are, right? Because supposed to be. Because the, <laughs> it comes out uh, over the weekend as um, you know we're getting ready for AFC NFC championship games. Uh, the Denver Broncos owner met with Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh, 
but no deal. Deal never materialized. Are we? We're done, right? Like this. This took place. So I don't think. Yes. I don't think we're done. I'll say Tom is the maintain. He's being stubborn to his original take where he's like, he's not leaving. Why would he take these interviews then? Did he fly to Denver or did Denver fly to him? So what? You can say no. Stay on the plane. I don't want to meet. I'm what was, here at what was the story last week? Denver's very interested in Sean Payton, right? Yep. All of a sudden, all the reports are coming out that the Saints want like multiple first round picks for Sean Payton. Then right. all of a sudden, there's a report leaking how Denver's flying to Ann Arbor to interview Jim Harbaugh. Come on. It's negotiating. That's all that any of this is. Jim Harbaugh is not leaving Michigan. We could talk about it all we want. It's great for views. People care about it, but he's not leaving. Not this offseason. Maybe next offseason. So you think this is all a negotiating tactic for Harbaugh to get the bigger contract? No, for the Broncos. No, for the Broncos. The Broncos are the Broncos are get somebody else. It might be trying to get the Broncos are trying to get Sean Payton. But there is a lot of truth to the stuff that the Saints will have to or the Broncos will have to give up. Correct. Where it, maybe that is a turnoff to them, and they're Correct. like, hey, so you fly to Ann Arbor, Dubai. you fly to Ann Arbor, you gauge him. You see if he's willing to bend on some things that he wants. He's not. You fly back to Denver, and you give New Orleans what it wants for your top target. I don't know. What if you bend? What if it's negotiating is, man, we'll give Harbaugh what he wants. We'd, we'd rather give him what he wants because they don't have a lot of draft capital because of the Russell Wilson deal. So they're kind of screwed. Ooh. So he did a video video interview with the Broncos. Then he had the conversation with the university president. Remember when he went over his boss's head, just right to the university president. <laughs> Shout out to the org chart. Yeah. Um, and then he said, like, I'm not leaving. You know, double down on his commitment. And it was since that announcement that Denver has flown to Ann Arbor. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And met with and, him. Did, not and did, he be, did he become the Broncos coach? Not yet. Not so yet. the owner flew to him to interview him, and he's not the Broncos coach. Huh. It must be that he's not taking the job. Not it's not that complicated, guys. <laughs> do you want to have a bet? Five dollars? I'll do ten. I'm that confident. <laughs> ten. We'll get so. wild with it. Here's the thing that I think Harbaugh Two does lights not, on the line. <laughs> here's what I think Harbaugh does not give a bleep about. Optics, what anybody cares. No anything like he is such in his own world because i think if you were really worried about recruiting or really worried about the healthier program or what your players think or your fans think or anybody thinks you would say no stay on your plane i don't want to meet with you i'm staying here at michigan but i could see him being like all right let's try one more time you know why not what's the harm done i want to listen well, I, I always like having conversations. Tim Harbaugh loves to talk about football. football. Yeah, if you yeah. want to fly to Ann Arbor to talk <laughs> about football, football with Jim Harbaugh, you can do it right to hell now. He'll, yeah. he'll be like, let's do it. Let's talk for hours. Yeah. I'm, I, I I think that Jim Harbaugh. So you were. There's a third interview on <laughs> signing day. <laughs> then I'll, In Denver. Maybe have, I'll, I'll go to the ATM and get $10 out because I'll start thinking there's a chance. But I really, <laughs> really don't. I think this is just, yeah. I think that Jim Harbaugh will be the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines for the 2023 season. I do. I think Jim Harbaugh will be the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines until he retires. But Ooh. wouldn't it be hilarious? <laughs> if there's a dollar bet right there. If there's another interview on signing day, or if he like goes to the Pro Bowl or something, like he's in Las Vegas 
you know, for that flag football game uh, will be something else. Um, if you were Stetson Bennett the fourth, would you choose the town of the university that you just pasted in the national championship game? No. To go and do your training? No. Tom, I love that. that is, I didn't mean to steal Tom's joke, but that was that was probably my favorite reaction to the Stetson Bennett uh, arrest from over the weekend, Tom. Just, huh? You're saying Fort Worth police <laughs> didn't let Stetson off? Do they have like a good like Series Seven training school or like, like real estate exam training school in Fort Worth? <laughs> oh, <laughs> What's he training for? Oh, come on, bud. Come on. You know Stetson. I will say. Back. I, I, I have a bet with an unnamed Georgia beat writer that he's not going to run 4-6. And watching the video of him not being able to outrun those cops, I feel pretty good about that bet, guys. Not, was, not that, was that video real? I thought that was just a Baker Mayfield that was video. Baker. That was yeah. Baker. Oh, it was Baker? Okay. Yeah. Well, They brought the Baker one back. So I don't okay. feel good. I got it's just an iconic uh, arrest video. It is. It's a great – I mean, I don't know. I, I will say it's not a great look for Stetson because just, you know, before the draft like this this is it's not like he's a surefire first round pick where it's like teams are gonna be like yeah okay just boys being boys it's like when when there are already going to be some questions about you and then having that happen it's probably not going to help your draft stock i still think he's going to get drafted i just don't know that he he might have to wait till the fifth sixth or seventh round now is skipping the senior bowl a smart move i feel like that's kind of who it's designed for right like i get to see you as a senior play against people who have the similar talent levels, not like a massive talent edge like you have at Georgia. Yeah, but we've already, we've already seen Stetson play against the best teams in the country and beat them. With like, the best talent that he's got next to him. So there's still yeah, yeah. a talent edge. I would, I'm would i with Bud. I think I, I would have the mindset. Um, and I heard our, um, our GM on CBS Sports HQ, we had uh, Rick Spielman on. And he was saying that, well, what are you hiding? Like, what are you afraid of? And I think that is more of a, a real – now, if, again, if I'm Stetson, I'm saying throw on the tape, kind of like Tom's saying. Like, go look at the film. The film sells itself. So I do feel that understanding. But also, if you're if that's – if you're projected to be a late first rounder or a top 15 pick, like I think only two players have turned down the senior bowl, and it's like Burrow and Trevor Lawrence, who are like surefire locks to be number ones. Most of the times, guys want to go to try to increase their draft stock because there's some question marks, mm-hmm. but I would say that's Stetson Bennett to a T. We don't know where he's drafted. You can add to it by going, but the reality is if I was, I'd probably do the same thing if I'm him because you're going to look small. Your arm's not going to look as strong. You're going to be running for your life. You're not going to be comfortable in a system because it's new. So I understand why he made it, but I think it could hurt his stock. Did you go to the senior bowl? I did. What was the experience like? Um, it was very, very stressful. Mm-hmm. You know, for it was it's like it's an extended job interview. And we had the Bears staff with uh Ron Turner was the uh staff. He was the offensive Bro- coordinator Sugar under Bowl. Dave Wanstat. Mm-hmm. So I remember I remember like trying to and you you only have a week and they're like trying to install an offense that was completely different than what I ran at Florida State. So even on game day, I was still like, you know, looking at the wristband, like, oh crap, where am I going with this ball? Am I sure am I going to be protected? And then they are not supposed to blitz, but there's always like the, oh, we thought it was a run. Oh, here they come, you know, aspect to it too. Um, I was offensive player of the game for the South and Bobby Hoying was the player of the game for the North. So he, he took the player of the game. North one. Yeah. But I remember. So yeah, that's right. 
There is a to casino it. not that far down the road in Biloxi, and uh, Chris Doring. We I hated him when he was at Florida. Hated him because uh, he was like this punky wide receiver that used to catch all these balls against us. So like I remember the first day going to practice, I'm like, I don't want to talk to this guy. Like what a punk. And then you know we had we throw into him and like, oh, he's got pretty good hands. He make me look pretty good. He's running nice routes. So we hit it off. And then we found out there was so like three nights in a row we went to Biloxi to hit the tables. <laughs> And it's probably like you're not thinking, oh, there's and like we're running into GMs and scouts. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> probably not the best look that we're running over. It's like an hour drive, you know, leaving at like midnight. Like it was, it was not the smartest thing. See, I would be, I would be watching you play blackjack to get a read on your decision making skills. Yeah. Be like, oh, this what guy's making the do? right calls here. I trust him. Well, so maybe this is the ex- explanation of the big drop in the draft because I thought I was going to be a second rounder and I went down to the fourth. What would you think of guys that were chasing down the roulette tables with the most black in a row to try to find the next red? That's not exactly the best assessment of uh, statistical data that you could have. So that probably knocked us down a notch. I'm so glad you shared the roulette part of that because I do know that the uh, the the Danny the Danny Cannell roulette winning formula was <laughs> do senior ball. Like, There's one with 15. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Um, oh, and and man. now that and now that friendship and uh, that bromance continues to this day with Chris <laughs> Doring. Uh, yeah, y'all had a y- y'all have had a good uh, back and for you and Dusty against Chris yeah. Beat. That's some some good back and forth there. On, um, we were at the draft together. We did draft coverage out in Las Vegas, and we got to reunite at the tables where the stakes were <laughs> slightly higher than they were. It's like running over to throw a twenty spot on black. <laughs> My man Doring, he's got he's a high roller for you've, real. You've got a ten dollar bet going with me. We know what kind of stakes you're playing. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, I I love that story so much. It makes me happy. Uh, coming up on the other side, Wednesday is National Signing Day. We do have some high-profile players who have not signed, and be the conclusion of the cycle for uh, Deion Sanders and others who have been, uh, you know, just hired. As well as, you know, we can look at some of the coaches who have now had a full year uh, with this cycle. This is the first time that they've been able to really work the entire calendar. So, what you need to know coming up on National Signing Day next. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast. Uh, let's, you know, the day is always defined 
by the announcements. You know, the the players that everyone's tuning in for when we're building up to announcements. Of course, we're going to have wall-to-wall coverage on 24-7 sports all day long. You're always trying to wait for the preview, look ahead, react to those big new, the big names and the big news that comes from those announcements. Uh, so let's start first on the player side. Bud, who are the names that we need to know uh, heading into Wednesday? So I, I think the, the number one name we need to watch is probably the guy we've talked about more than any other recruit in the last month, and, and that's Jaden Rashada, right? Like, there are a couple questions here. Is he going to sign? Where, where is he going to go if he does sign? And I think TCU is certainly somebody that we would look at because he visited there over the weekend. His skill set, by the way, fits pretty well with what they do. He does throw vertical routes well, and that's something that Kendall Bryles loves to call. If you watch Arkansas's offense, you, you saw it. I think he's somebody who would play maybe not year one because Chandler Morris is there, but probably uh, pretty soon thereafter and could be really good in that offense. Uh, Arizona State has also been involved there, right? Uh, um, Cal, Washington, there was some Colorado smoke, but I, I think Rashad is a guy that everybody's going to have their their eyes on. And we also don't know, like, is he actually going to sign or will the process you know, kind of drag on? That That's one of the biggest ones I have my eyes on. What about the – if you were to bet, do you think he's going to sign on National Signing Day? I, oof. I would not put a lot of money on this bet. I just really don't know. Uh, but I think if he does, it's probably TCU. Just coming off that most recent visit, TCU, and I, I know we'll talk about this more You know, maybe, maybe Wednesday, they've got some studs coming in at receiver too. So he's going to have some dudes to throw to there. Uh, like their skill positions are really nice. I, I could see that working out pretty well. But I really don't know – necessarily if he's going to sign what well, nick harper's going to sign though right that's like Expected a scheduled to. announcement yeah. gonna gonna be the probably one of the bigger stories of the day if you guys don't know who nick harper is uh this kid is unlike kind of anybody i've ever seen um now he's a better athlete than he is football player right now but you're like six five two and a quarter and he's like legitimately somebody who might be an Olympic sprinter, okay? Like NFL tight end Olympic sprinter is usually not something, even though they're freakish athletes, they're like, hey, you're really good at really good runner for your size. Nick Harper is a really good runner regardless of size. He almost won the fastest man competition at Under Armour. I was standing there filming it. It was like he got beat by like a step and it was like a maybe a 50 or 60 yard dash, which obviously for a guy that big, you know, the strides, if they had run another, another 10 yards, it would have been it would have been over, and Harbor would have had the guy. I, I think he's better as a tight end. He caught the ball a little bit better in person than I was expecting him to. A defensive end is also something there. So Oregon's in the mix. South Carolina has been the mix for him for a long time. Uh, Maryland as well. Michigan. I, I those four are the four to watch. Now he just got out and saw Oregon. There was some Colorado smoke. I think because I'm trying to recall, I think it was like a he put his location as. Boulder on Instagram, but then his dad was like, he did not visit Colorado. So that would be a surprise, I think, if Colorado actually pulled him. Oregon has a good track program. All of these programs he's considering are places where he will need to run track and, or, or well, would succeed running track. I mean, he'd be good anywhere, but you want to go to a good track program as well as a good football program. But he, he's different, man. Like if he hits, he's going to be special. 
Well, based on what I was seeing from those highlights, wherever he ends up, if you're playing against him, don't put a linebacker on him because that was working out horribly for all those teams he was playing against. Like, just this linebacker watching him run by and like, oh, well, I'm done. Yeah. And see, the thing is, like, I think he's faster than he is quick, right? So I'd like to see him, you know, played outside in bunch sets, okay? Not like necessarily as an inline guy. He can block on some screens, and you can also send him deep on vertical routes. And I think he's like a dude who is going to be best used on vertical routes yeah, and as a, a blocker in space, not really like, like a, a dude who's working the underneath because it, I just he's more of a strider, you yeah. know? He looked, yeah, because like when the highlights of just him playing defensive end there kind of looked a little stiff to be, I think, a, a, a really effective edge rusher at the next level, but we'll see. Yeah, we're upgrading here. If you're watching on YouTube.com slash Cover 3, you're seeing highlights, baby. Yeah, shout out to uh, producer Jordan uh, and Bud. Thanks for for getting us all all locked and loaded there, so we can see these guys as we prepare to uh, to get their announcements coming up on National Signing Day. All right, so you said that he's he's not he he the the smoke based on Instagram is out. What does Colorado's class look like? We know that Cormani McLean is a part of it. Um, you know, you include the transfers, then we've also got Travis Hunter is a part of it. Uh, what do we think that it's going to look like? Is there any chance that we get a shocker or a big splash from Dion uh, on National Signing Day? I, I think if they get a, a, a kid on Signing Day, like that would be a total total shocker. Maybe it's maybe it's Harbor and they're in on the act. I don't think that's the case. By the way, I, I just think if I had to guess, I, I don't think so. But no, I didn't think Travis Hunter, uh, you know, 48 hours before Sunday Day was going going to Jackson State last year. So you never know. And, and when you're shooting documentaries, uh, sometimes things are a little more orchestrated than than normal. Uh, Colorado has a nice class coming in. I, I like the receiver they got from South Georgia, Adam Hopkins. I think he's a dude who can help them out. He definitely has has some real ability. We already mentioned Cormani McLean earlier in the show. They also have 42 players in this class if you combine the recruits. I think we have, what, uh, 19 recruits and, and 23 transfers at this point. Guys, that's half their roster is new. And I assume that they will add more players in the May period, right, uh, for uh, for the transfer portal. Maybe they'll add one more high school-wise on, on Wednesday. I, I mean, it's assuming all these kids get in. But the, even if they lose a, a guy or two off this this list, I don't think that is – that's kind of unprecedented because even back when like Houston Nutt and a couple of those guys, y'all were, y'all were, yeah, we, we were all kind of blogging about this back in the day when they would sign a class of like, remember that like 38 signees. Like, okay. Well, five are going Juco three won't qualify anywhere. You know, that, that type of thing. And they would whittle it down to 25. Like I think Colorado's intending to have 40 new players on their roster, which is, is pretty wild. Ole Miss had close to 40 this year between their transfer class and their uh, incoming freshman I believe it was like 38 to 42, somewhere in there, just totally brand new to the program. It's it's a move. It's it's a move, certainly, um, going through. It's, Alabama. Well, go ahead. No, no, sorry. Go ahead. Alabama locked up at number one? Yeah, unless something really weird were to happen. Uh, Bama's going to get the number one class. I, I think really when you're looking here, Right, and you can play around with the class calculator. I I think Georgia should be considered the favorite to sign Deuce Robinson. Deuce Robinson is the number one tight end uh, in in the country, depending on on how you want to rank Harbor. Right, Deuce Robinson though, uh, really good pedigree. 
His dad was a former five-star receiver recruit signed for Florida State. He actually caught the fourth and 14 pass in the swamp, the play that directly preceded Ricks to Sam uh, in, in 2003. Uh, kid's also a really good baseball player. Like He's kind of built like Aaron Judge. He's 6'6", 229. Uh, contact needs a little bit of work, but he is somebody who wants to play both baseball and football, so that would be a huge get for Georgia. USC has also been in the mix there. Uh, but Deuce is like, – we kind of wanted to see how competitive he would be um, because he just kind of physically overwhelms the guys he plays against in high school pretty often. But I think he has some real next-level ability. It's hard to, to – like fault a kid for deciding to go to Georgia, especially when he plays tight end, given the fact that they kind of have two very, very good ones on their roster right now, you know? Um, So he's somebody that I think that would cement Georgia as having the number two class, but I don't think there's any way they can actually catch Alabama at this point, right? Yeah, right now Alabama's got 28 commits on board. Average rating per player, 94.8. Decent. Georgia Georgia has 26 commits, average rating per player, 94.09. Now, with Deuce Robinson, you'd compare him more to a Bowers than a Darnell Washington right now? So he's already bigger than Bowers, I think, mm-hmm. physically. Um, but Darnell Washington was different. Like, I looked at Darnell, and I was like, this is a guy who, if he wanted to, could move to tackle. He yeah. also, like, Darnell Washington is the prime example why I think – you should evaluate all-star games only for upside ability, but not for downside risk for the most part, right? Unless a kid just acts like a total idiot because some of these guys haven't played ball in six or seven weeks and their feet hurt because they didn't put the cleats back, back on for the first time, right? Some of these dudes are coming off long state championship runs. Darnell Washington got owned by some guys you'll never heard of at the Under Armour practices. Like he was just flat out not good. And now he's going to be a first round pick. So, you know, I, I care about like guys that play at a really like they play up, but you know, some of these dudes just everybody's on a different timeline and where their training is. Some guys treat it more as a vacation, some guys treat it more as like a showcase to get a ratings bump. Um, he's somewhere in between, okay. uh, deuces like he's not somebody that could move to tackle. Darnell Washington was already like 255, 260 at least, uh, it, when we saw him in, in Orlando. Was Bowers highly sought after coming out? Yeah, yeah, it, it was pretty well known that he he was a difference maker because he's not that physically impressive. No, the body control is nuts though. Yeah, and and, and like the with tight end, it this is where I think like like shuttle matters to me at tight end, right? And some of the short area quickness because for the most part, unless you have a real real freak like a Harvard, you need to be able to move in confined spaces, right? Like that's where you're working. That's kind of like why it's, it's not that I don't care what a slot runs in his forty, but I also really care about stop-start ability, and, and guys are going to work underneath. That, that's, I think that's where some of your better slots come. Their, their just, deceleration is really good, not just their just, their acceleration. Yeah, just watch Travis Kelsey. You see it. It's but like that's, the yeah. break-in, like being mm-hmm. able to just shake your defender, create a little mm-hmm. bit of separation, but you know, five, six yards underneath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the name of that route? It's just a an in dig. route? A dig. Yeah. I don't know Get my open. route. Yeah, I, I mean that's kind of that's kind of what they do. Yeah, it's just, I, I do feel like that is the Kansas City Chiefs offense. Find the soft spot in the zone and go there, and then Mahomes will throw the ball in the direction that you should go after you make the catch. That's pretty much their offense. I I, I like I like the uh, um, what they called chase last night on on that on that fourth and six. 
mm-hmm. like to, to 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 bluff that kind of ended up on uh, on like literally right at the sticks, you know, yep. the safety squatting it. You, you got the corner playing outside leverage, and then like Casey didn't actually play it all that poorly. No, right? And, and <laughs> the ball still double covered. They're like, yeah, yeah. perfectly <laughs> thrown ball. Also, yeah, yeah. it doesn't take. That's I think like a fine nuanced uh, you know route where it doesn't take like a huge sell. You don't have to like square it off and act. He just gave a slight hesitation, like "oop, I'm coming in," and then bam, and the throw was perfect. And then the next thing you know, like they're catching up, and the margins are so tight. I mean, they they recovered pretty nicely too. It was just too late. I thought Casey played like I know this is off topic, but I really liked how Casey played like Cincinnati's offense. They just yes. they really denied the verticals pretty well, and Chris Jones. Speaking of like first impressions at All Star games, Ooh. that was the year of Kim Diche, right? And then Chris Jones, and I was like, "Whoa, that guy. okay, that guy is is like different, different." I remember because I hadn't seen him in person all year because he's from Mississippi, didn't go to events, and just kind of shows up. Oh, that's that's different. That that'll that'll work. Danny, are you going to the Super Bowl? I am. Yeah, be out there all week. Radio row, pre and post game. CBS Get some cleats on with the turf, spotlight. man. That that, that, that turf is week. bad. What's that? Get, you got to get some cleats on with the turf, dude. Like everybody's slipping on the turf, and that, that's where Casey's kicker got mm-hmm. hurt in week one. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Butker. We'll do we'll do a prop spectacular <laughs> <laughs> cover three locks show just on the Super Bowl. Hey, the people yeah. would need it. heads I, or tails, <laughs> and with, with what? It's like minus one twenty both ways. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the worst was last year when that guy tweeted out the video of the national anthem. Oh, and uh, ruined the over under on the time. Yeah, because yeah, like usually I'll get it from somebody, right, and then like be able to bet it, and then. Now everybody had it. So like they, they just. Oh, you're it. just mad that you weren't so like. Yes, I am selfishly mad. Yeah, that I was no, not able me to, too. To, yeah, no doubt. Yes. All right. Um, one last signing day thing before we get out of here. But uh, Alabama, Georgia, Texas, Ohio State, Oklahoma. That's currently your top five in order. Uh, LSU at six. Miami, Tennessee, Notre Dame, Oregon round out the top ten. Uh, you've got Penn State down there at fourteen. Texas A and M at thirteen. Uh, USC down at 15 uh, in any team sort of in that mix or even in the top 25 that you think could be poised for making a move up here in the final you know, again like you've mentioned a lot of the top names already signed already committed during the first signing period where do you see some potential movement uh, in the team rankings uh, here on Wednesday. Sure. So I think the biggest one we got to look at is probably Oregon because they, they are in the mix for Nick Harbor. Uh, and they are also in the mix for Rod Pleasant, who is a top 247 corner who's, who's pretty damn good. Also a guy who runs track. I think that's an Oregon-USC battle, so we get to see Dan Lanning and Lincoln Riley go go at it again. Now, Lanning got him on one uh, was it, it was la- late last year with uh, with the big tackle, right? And that was surprising. I mean, I, most people, including myself, thought that he was going to go to USC, so maybe maybe Riley keep, keeps Rod Pleasant home this time. Uh, that's a I think that's a big one, right? Like if you're USC, you want to finish ahead of Oregon in recruiting. And if you're Oregon, if you happen to get Harbor and Rod Pleasant, you could go from tenth to could they get to fifth or sixth? I guess that's that's possible. There's there's a tier that they could crack into that yeah. is that sub Alabama Georgia tier. 
and that would certainly be uh, impressive. So we, we got our eyes on the West Coast uh, as as we break down things heading into National Signing Day. Speaking of, we're going to be back on Wednesday late afternoon, early evening. Let's tentatively call it 6 p.m. Eastern time uh, for a National Signing Day recap. We will also uh, be live as part of the 24-7 Sports uh, wall-to-wall coverage during the 1 p.m. hour. Uh, So make sure that you're following the Covered 3 podcast on Twitter. We can give you the link so that you can watch all of that. Again, we've got a live hour uh, as part of the 24-7 Sports wall-to-wall coverage. Covered 3 branded. We'll be a part of it. 1 p.m. Eastern time on National Signing Day. Then our National Signing Day recap show uh, will be at around 6 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday night. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Bud Elliott 3. You can follow him at Danny Cannell. Follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. See you Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan.